This is KMTT and this is Ezra Bek. And today is Friday. Chaf Zayin Sivan. Erev Shabbat Kodesh. Pashat Shlach. Pashat Shlach in Chutzlaretz. In Eretz Israel. We read today Pashat, tomorrow Pashat Korach. Today's uh, program will be about Pashat Shlach. In the beginning of the Pasha, Moshe Rabbeinu sends the spies, sends the Miraglim. One of them is his his servant, his companion, his disciple, Yehoshua. Yehoshua's name is Hoshea, Hoshea bin Nun. In the beginning of today's Pasha, Moshe Rabbeinu changes his name to Yehoshua, adds a U to his name. Everyone has noticed the first time they came across this Pasha, that Yoshua's full name is different than any other name in the Torah. His name is Yoshua bin Nun. Yoshua, the son of Nun, but the son is Bin, as opposed to everyone else who's called Ben, including the other spies, for instance, in this, in this Pasha. Michael ben Sato. But Yoshua is Yoshua bin Nun. Why was he called Yoshua bin Nun and not Yoshua ben Nun? The name of the Chetam Sofer so far, we have the following answer. The Medrash explains where the Yud comes from. The Medrash says that when God changed the name of Sarai, the wife of Avram, to Sarah, so the only difference is that instead of a Yud at the end of her name, she has a He at the end of her name. So the Yud came to complain to God that the Yud had a place, it was part of the name of Otot Tzadeket. He was part of the name of this righteous woman, Sarai Menu. And now he's been thrown out. He came to complain before God. God said, don't worry, I'll find you a place. What was that place? He got added to Yoshua. So he was taken away from Sarah, but now he's has a place in another Tzadik, in Yoshua bin. So the Chalam Sofer says, that explains, that explains the Yud. The Yud came from Sarai, and now it went to Yoshua. But the Yud in Sarai has no vowel. It's the last letter of a name, and there are no vowels in it. When you add it to Yoshua, it gets a shva, two little dots. Where do those two little dots come from? Chatam Sofer said it came from the segel of Ben. Ben has three dots underneath it. It's a segel. Take away two of them, give it to the Yud. You're left with only one. So instead of being called Ben, he's now called Bin. One dot, and the two dots that are missing went to underneath the yud. I'm not sure that's pshat, but it's very clever. Anyhow, going back to to the story of the Meraglim, there's an interesting midrash, midrash plia. So the midrashim seem to make no sense. And there's a midrash on the end, the last pasuk in the, in the description of the Merakrim that says what happened to them by Yamutu Anashim literally translated and the men who spoke bad speech about Eretz Yisrael died I've changed the order of the words because in English we have to change the order of the words so I repeat the Hebrew by Yamutu and they died Anashim who brought out the speech of the land evil, the evil speech about the land. So the Medrash says the following thing, it quotes Pasuk in Kohelet, Lo yada adam et ito, 
כדגים שנאחזים במצודה רעה. A man does not know his time, the time of his death. Like fish who are caught in an evil trap. It's pasuk in Kohelet, Perek Tet, pasuk Yudvet. The Medrash asks, V'chiyesh mitzudah ra'ah u'mitzudah tova? Is there a good trap and a bad trap? What, what, what's, what does it mean, ra'ah? Like fish who are caught in an evil trap. What's an evil trap and what's a good trap? Amar Reish Lakish, Zuchaka. Reish Lakish answered, this is the fishing rod, the fishing line. Hadahu Dechtev, and this is like what is written in the Pasuk, Vayamutu HaNashim Motzei Dibat HaAretz Ra'ah. You, you can't see me now. I'm, I'm raising my arms in astonishment. What, 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 what's the connection? Is there a bad trap and a good trap? He said, yes. The bad trap is the fishing line. And that is what the Pasuk says. And the people who had brought out the evil speech about Eretz Yisrael died. What's the connection? What is the Midrash talking about? Rebitz of the Blazer, he said this in a hesped that he gave. Ritzel the Blazer was one of the three great Talmidim of Rabbi Yisrael Salanta. He's also called Ritzel Petterburg. He was the rabbi in, in, in Petersburg. He was the first, the first of Petersburg. Petersburg was outside, St. Petersburg was outside the Pale Settlement. Jews were not allowed to live there. But gradually, certain important Jews got permission, and there was a small Jewish community there, and they wanted a rav, so they went and got permission for a rav, and he, he was the rav of, of Petersburg. And a great Musenek. So Vitzel Blaza said the following. There are two ways to catch fish. Fish can be caught in a net and fish can be caught with a line. What's the difference? The net catches the entire fish. The whole fish is in the net. It grabs the entire fish. The fishing line puts a hook into the jaw of the fish. Catches the fish by the, by the, by the end. The fish is, uh, is free. It appears to be free. He's only caught at the very, very end a small hook stuck inside his jaw. So that's what the Zucker said, that that's the bad way of being caught. What, what's really the point? So Ritzler said, it's, let's think about the death of, of man. And when man dies, it's not because he's caught in, in this net or that net, that the net he's caught in is the net of his deeds, of his sins. Well, there are two ways. There are some people who are really caught in the net of evil deeds, meaning that they're, they're enveloped by the sins they've committed. Basically, you could say that they're vishaim, that they're evil, or they're, in any event, their life, let's say, maybe if they're, even if they're in between, but, but there's a whole web of evil deeds, of sins, of transgressions, which they've, which they've performed during their lives, and it surrounds them, and, and it just drags them down. And then there are people who die like a fishing line, meaning they're basically tzaddikim. But there's one sin that catches them at the edge. The whole body is clean, but at one point, there's a hook that grabs into them, and it too drags them down. So that's a mitara'ah, that's a mitsudara'ah, that's an evil trap. Because a person who, who, who hasn't utilized his time on this earth properly. So he, he shouldn't be here. He goes to another world and, and receives his just desserts and punishments. But a person who really was a tzaddik, 
He really did a lot of good things. And, and basically, the way we would normally add it up in our arithmetic, I think he's a great person. But there's one thing, one sin, which is stuck, hooked into his body. And that drags him down. And when he dies, that's a, it's, a, it's a bad death. It's a bad trap. It's an evil, which even people who are committed to the principle of reward and punishment, to, to God's justice, but this somehow bothers us that a person like this should be dragged down. It's, it's a tragedy. He's dragged down by that one sin that he did. And that, Ravitzel explained, is the meaning of the Pasuk by Yamuto and Hashim Motzei They were chosen by Moshe Rabbeinu one by one. They weren't elected. They weren't the, simply the people who happened to be hanging around. Moshe chose each one of them. And in general, Chazal rules if it says Anashim without any other uh, appellation, Men, it means men of stature, men of greatness. They were tzaddikim. But for reasons which aren't even explained in the Pasuk, Hazal speculated, the Mephashim speculated enormously. Why, in fact, did the Meraglim go wrong? What, what led them to not to have faith in Eretz But in any event, this was the one sin that dragged them down. And that's the meaning of the Pasuk by Yamuto Anashim Dibata Aretz I pointed out that when I translated, I had to change the, the order of the words. But the order of the words in Hebrew is not motzi'ei diba ra'ah, al ha'aretz. But motzi'ei diba ta'aretz, ra'ah. Diba is always bad speech. Diba means slander. So they spoke slander of the, of the land, ra'ah. What does the word ra'ah mean here? I think Vashlakish was saying it goes on the word vayamutu. They died. Vayamutu, hanashim motzi'ei diba ta'aretz, ra'ah. They died badly. Why they die badly? Like the fish who has the hook in his mouth dies badly unlike the fish who was caught up in the, the Reshet. These were tzaddikim. And one deed, one, one slip-up, one act of rebellion, one act of little faith, sunk into them, and they couldn't wiggle away. And they died in their sin, tzaddikim indeed, in general, but nonetheless caught up, and that's called a mitah ra'ah, a mitzudah ra'ah, a bad, a bad trap, Zohaka. This is the line that hooks itself into the fish in the sea and drags him to his death. And if I'm already quoting one of the great, great Talmudim of Yisrael Salanta, the founder of the Muslim movement, so on the same topic, a different Talmud of Yisrael Salanta, a, a vote of the Sava Mislabotka founder of the uh, Yeshiva Slavatka, basically the founder of the Yeshivota Musa, Musa Yeshivas. The Gemara in Ksubis, Tafkuf Yudbet, says, has a one-line story there. Rav Ami Rav Ashi Kaimi Mishimsha the Tula Mitula the Shimsha. Rav Ami and Rav Ashi, they would go from the sun to the shade and from the shade to the sun. That's what it says in the Gemara. Rav Ashi explains that in the summertime, if they'd be sitting in the sun, it would be hot, so they would go to the shade. And in the wintertime, it was cooler, so they would get out of the shade and go into the sun. Question, who cares? I mean, what, what's the point here? So the Salam Yisrael said, you have to understand why they did it. It's not telling us that they weren't, that they weren't idiots, that they, that they were smart enough to know to get out of the rain or to get out of the sun. What it's telling us was that they used to do it 
deliberately because they were in Eretz Israel. And if they'd be sitting in the sun and it would be a little bit uncomfortable, they would be annoyed. And if they would be annoyed, they would say, what a bad climate it is. So they would in advance, before it even got hot, as soon as they saw the sun and they knew that it was summertime, it would be hot, they moved quickly to the shade. And in the wintertime, they'd be sitting in the shade. It would be a little cool. I mean, Eretzel is not exactly Alaska. So, but it would be a little bit cool. And maybe they would get a little bit annoyed and they would say, ah, oh, look at the bad weather today. So they would go in advance to the sun. Why? So that they should avoid the possibility of speaking Lashon Hav about Eretzel. So this tells us the, the, the extent of the mitzvah, the isa, the prohibition of Lashon Hav in general, Lashon Hav about Eretz Yisrael, the chet of the Maraglim, the sin of the Maraglim. You can always see things in a number of ways. The same things that they saw, Kalev and Yahushua saw and interpreted differently. A lot has to do with how you prepare your mind in advance. And that's what we learned from Abami and Ashi that you avoid the possibility that you might be led to speak Lashon Hav about Eretz Yisrael. Ki ha'aretz ma'od ma'od. For the land is very, very good. The land that God gave us is good. And not only shouldn't you speak Lashon Hav about it, you shouldn't allow yourself to be in a position where perhaps you will be led to see things in a way which is not the right way, which is not the way that's compatible with the fact that this is the land that Kashbaru gave us. Say your boy, the yellow, 
We've been doing a Midrash Yomi, a daily Midrash this week. And today, the last day of Midrash Hayomi for Shlach, it'll be a little more than one Midrash Yomi. We'll uh, finish up the Midrash, the very, very last Midrashim in the Pashat, deal with Pashat Sitzit. The Midrash says, there's a Gemara like this as well in Mesechet Menachot, the Midrash says, Ma nishtanat techeilet mikol minei tziv onim. Tzitzit have two parts. White strings and one trailer string. One string of a certain color blue. We don't have trailer today and therefore we tend to forget about it. Very often in the Gemara, Tzitzit is called trailer. Another synonym for the midst of Tzitzit is, is called trailer. It was the most important part of Tzitzit. Lama manishtana trailer mikominet zivonim. Why this color? Why is this color different than all the colors? This is a shortened version of what appears in the Gemara. The Medrash says that Tchelet is the color of the sky, and the sky is the color, is resembles, it resembles the throne of glory. The Gemara is a little bit longer. The Gemara says Tchelet is the color of the sea. The sea reflects the color of the heavens, and the heavens reflect the color of the... Uh, the throne of glory. I, I think from the Gemara you get the impression more that it's not just that one resembles the other, it's that one reflects the other. The sea reflects the sky, the sky reflects the throne of God that somehow in some non-physical manner, non-geographical manner is found within the sky. That's the end of this particular Merash. What does it mean? So it's, it's telling you that, that God wished, remember there's a Tzvar Tzitzit is intimately bound up with remembrance. When you see the tzitzit, you remember the mitzvot of God. So apparently there are two things to remember here. One is the white, and one is the heaven. One is, doesn't say what the white represents. One is the white, and a hint, one string out of eight, is a hint to the color of Kisaya Kavod. The Vav once spoke about tzitzit, the Vav and he said, the two colors, the white, represents what you understand, the details, Tayag mitzvot. So what you know about the Tayag mitzvot? The rational, the understandable, the defined, the clear. That which can be grasped and comprehended. Tchelet, you think Tchelet is just another color. Tchelet is the color of the vast sea. You can't get a grasp on it. But even the sea, it's the color of the heavens. It's beyond your grasp, beyond your understanding, beyond your comprehension. And you should even the heavens. The reason why they're like that is because they're the color of the reflection of the color of the Kisei HaKavod of the throne of God. The two colors, white and blue, the white is what we can comprehend, but there's always one-eighth, one string wound into it that's what man can't grasp, what's beyond man's grasp, the ineffable, 
the transcendent, the mysterious. And when God says you should wear tzitzit and remember all the mitzvot, He's not saying you should remember them, the details of only the details that you should do them. If you forget a mitzvah, so go look it up, you know. It's that you should go all the time with a awareness, a, a subconscious memory of all the mitzvot of God and part of that, a small part perhaps, only one-eighth. Right? You don't, you don't need too much. 12%. But one-eighth should be this memory of the transcendent, incomprehensible part, the mysterium of the Torah, and not just the individual details. And then a person really has, is, 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 is encompassed by the four corners of the beged, the four corners of the garment of the tzitzit, and surrounded by mitzvot and, and filled conscious, in a subconscious manner, of the presence of God. The Midrash, skipping a few lines, the Midrash continues, Ur itemoto. It says you should have tzitzit. You put tzitzit. Ur itemoto, and you will see it. Oto velo ota. Oto is masculine. It, meaning like he. If it refers to the tzitzit, tzitzit is a feminine noun. It should have said ota. Why does it say oto velo ota? Because if you will do this and have tzitzit on your clothing and you will see the tzitzit, then it is though you see the, not the tzitzit, but the kiseya kavod. Kiseya kavod is masculine, the throne of glory. Shuhu domelet As we already pointed out that the kiseya kavod and the trelet are the same color, so to speak. Kiseya kavod doesn't actually have a color, but it's reflected in the color of the sky and it's reflected in the color of the trelet. The Midrash continues. Uritem uschartem. You will see the tzitzit and you will remember the mitzvot. Vision. Seeing leads to memory. Seeing leads to remembering. Remembering leads to doing. Okay, so the Midrash in one very pithy phrase has summed up the entire psychological process. In order to remember, you need something, something sensual. Memory is tricky. If you see it, if you see the tzitzit, deep inside your memory you is buried all the mitzvot of Hashem that you've learned in the Torah. This vision, seeing the tzitzit, brings back the memory. But the purpose of memory isn't just to remember. The purpose of memory is to do. In order to do, the memory has to become stronger. You have to bring it out from the depths of, of half-forgetfulness to consciousness. Seeing the tzitzit strengthens, actualizes the memory, and when the memory becomes that actual, that leads to action. So you have this triple, triple chain. Senses, that's vision. Mental, that's memory. Action, your hand. From your eyes to your brain, to your to your hand.
a different version in the Midrash of this remembering. Mashal. The Midrash tells a parable to explain this Pasuk. You remember and do all the mitzvot. Mashal le'echad mushlach l'toch hamayim. This is like someone who fell into the water. He's out at sea. He's fallen off the boat. And basically he's drowning. He fell into the sea. The captain of the ship throws him a rope and says to him, grab hold of this rope and don't let it slip out of your hands. Because if you let it slip out of your hands, you're lost. You have no life. So too, that's what God says to Israel. As long as you are connected to the mitzvot, then the following pasuk applies. And you who are connected, who cleave unto Hashem your God, you are all living today. What is the Midrash trying to say? I think the Midrash is trying to explain what it means that if you remember, then you've done all the mitzvot. If you remember, you haven't done all the mitzvot. There's a big difference between remembering and doing. So the Medrash I quoted before said, well, if you remember, you'll eventually do. This Medrash is saying something else. The boat is life. This man is not on the boat. He's in the water. He's, he's in death. He's surrounded by death. What connects him to the boat? A thin rope. If you would be doing all the mitzvot, if you'd be a tzaddik and you'd be doing all the mitzvot, you'd be living on the boat. Because the Torah is life. Mitzvot are life. But you've fallen off the boat. We're living in this world. It's a dangerous world. It's a perilous world. We're not firmly planted two feet on top of the boat. We're, we're swimming. We're trying to keep our heads above water in the middle of the ocean. What keeps us alive? There's a thin string, the tzitzit, the memory. If you have this, this thin rope that connects you to the boat, mitzvot here doesn't mean you do mitzvot, but it means you have a connection to mitzvot. What's your connection to the mitzvot? You remember them. How do you remember them? So there's a, there's a physical and, a, and a, an, interpret, an interpretive meaning here. The, the string, the tzitzit, is a string that connects you to all the mitzvot. It means, why? Because the memory. When you see the, mitzv- when you see the tzitzit, you remember all the mitzvot, so you have some connection to the mitzvot. Hold on to that for dear life. As long as you hold on to that memory, God says, Since you're connected to Hashem, your God, you are alive. If you let the rope go, and you're not standing on the boat, your feet are not planted firmly, then you are engulfed and you're on your way down, sinking into the into the ocean, the ocean of death, the ocean of chet, any way you want to interpret this ocean. So that's that that's the I gave the mitzvah tzitzit, so that I can save you. Tzitzit saves us from the perdition of this world, because it gives us a devekim b'ashem alokechem. It gives us something to be connected to, a way, a thin, very, very thin. Not enough to be itself life. Tzitzit are not life. Memory is not life. 
But memory is a connection to life, and that will keep you afloat until the time. Eventually, of course, you have to climb back onto the boat, I assume. You hold onto this rope and slowly pull yourself in and eventually climb up and come to real action, real asiyah. And that's the end of Pashat Shlach in the Midrash. And that's the end of our broadcast for today and for this week. We'll be back next week, Monday, another shiur, shiur in the weekly mitzvah by Rav Binyamin Tavori. And until then, wishing you a Shabbat Shalom Vorach, Kol Tov, You've been listening to KMTT, the Torah Podcast, service of Yeshivat HaRetzion, broadcasting from Eretz Yisrael. The purpose of KMTT is to give everybody a chance to have a daily Seder Limud, a daily half hour, 40 minutes of learning Torah. Because Torah is the life of a Jew living in busy times. But through this, I think, really amazing method of technology, everybody can have a time when his mind is simply waiting to learn Torah and to join the rest of the Jews, the rest of Am Yisrael in learning Torah, to join us in Yeshivat HaRetzion in learning Torah, and to join all the other Jews in KMTT and other, uh, uh, other frameworks we're learning Torah Yom Yom. This week's Shiurim were dedicated thanks to a generous donation of the Gutenberg and Kelman family in the memory of Ruth Kelman, Zichonel Vacha, Rachel Bat Chaim of Toronto, Canada. Seventh Yard site is tomorrow, Shabbat, Kavchet Sivan. A woman who valued learning Torah and imparted the love to her children and grandchildren, everyone else who knew her. And it's very, very fitting that in her memory should be dedicated this means of learning Torah berabim, of public learning of Torah. Shabbat Shalom, Kol Tov. We'll be back on Monday. This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. Udvar Hashem Mirushalayim.
سیاقایی 